Hello and welcome to episode one of Condolence Cafe, a podcast all about grief, bereavement, and moving forward after death. I'm your host, Brittany Rosenmiller, owner and founder of Death Positive STL, and for today's episode, I wanted to start things off by introducing myself and offering up my personal journey with grief and the loss of my mother at the beginning of 2018. In the future, I plan to record episodes answering some of the most frequently asked questions I receive as a death doula and grief coach, as well as sharing listeners' stories of grief, death, and loss, because... When I lost my mother, I learned really quickly that we don't talk about this enough. And it's really unfortunate because the fact of the matter is we're all going to lose someone very close to us at some point in our lives. And to feel like we can't openly experience it is awful. This podcast is my way of attempting to normalize talking about death and accepting and preparing for it. That being said, if you have a story or experience that you would like to share, I would absolutely love to hear it, and I may even share it on the podcast. But enough of all that, let's jump into the entire reason that I started Death Positive STL and why I'm so adamant on having these conversations. Before I share my story, I do want to mention a few trigger warnings. This story contains elements of death and dying, and as always with this podcast, listener discretion is advised. Today I am, I guess, not necessarily excited. Today I am talking about the day I lost my mother and just kind of the week that followed, you know, I think with anybody that has experienced a loss of somebody that they're really close to, it's fair to say that it always comes as a shock, even if it's something you expect. I know with my mom, um, we didn't necessarily expect it, but she did have a lot of pre-existing health issues that, you know, we all were aware of, her doctors were aware of them, and I mean, there were multiple times before she had passed away that we were given limited amounts of time with her, but it was just due to to her addiction and, you know, things that came from that. But I'll never forget the shock. I mean, it was like whenever I got the phone call, it was the middle of the night. I think it was around 2 or 3 a.m. And um, I remember my phone ringing. I was sleeping and um, I... I saw that it was a local unknown number. I wanted nothing to do with that because I didn't really know what it could be. So I just set my phone down and was like, you know, I'll get to it in the morning. And we woke up around 6 a.m. that morning and I looked at my phone. There was a voicemail and I was like, well, that's interesting. You know, my husband, my daughter went downstairs. Um, I guess he was my fiance at the time, but they went downstairs and I checked the voicemail and I just... I remember it was the coroner's office. They said, you know, this is so-and-so with the coroner's office, and I'm calling to look for the family of Brenda Pizzo. And I was like, gosh, coroner's office. Like, I remember it was so early, you know, like it was, I sat up out of bed and immediately was listening to this voicemail. So it was like, wake up, and now I'm listening to this. I had no time to do anything else. And so I heard the word coroner and I didn't, it didn't register what it was. I didn't understand what was going on. And I remember going to Google and I looked up the coroner and I was like, that, that's not good. (laughs) So I called him back and, um, 
it was the most matter-of-fact conversation. And, you know, at the moment, I hadn't, um, no one, no one else had heard anything. So I get on the phone. He says, you know, are you family? I say, yes, I'm her daughter. And he says, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but she has passed. And I, <laughs> I remember just sitting there and I mean, you know, you kind of have this moment where you're like, what do I do? Like, I... I don't know. And me specifically, you know, I genuinely didn't know where to start. I didn't know what was going on because this was a shock. Like I had just talked to her Wednesday. My grandma, which was her mom, had just talked to her um, that Friday. And this is Sunday. So it's not like we saw it coming. We didn't see this coming. And so um, I sat there with the coroner for a second and I said, okay, what do I do? said, well, why don't you take a little bit of time, maybe a couple hours and give me a call back and, uh, you know, we can figure out what you want me to do with the body. And that, you know, I get off the phone and I, I didn't even know where to begin. I, you know, immediately, like I'm given this responsibility of like, figure out what to do with the body. And but I was just sleeping. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the overwhelm was very real, and I, uh, you know, I sat at my kitchen table um, for a few minutes, and, you know, by this time, I had told my fiancé what was going on, and it was just shock all around, you know, he was in shock, I was in shock, and I, uh, I think I texted my best friend, um, texted her, Aubrey, and I said, you know, hey, I, I need to talk to you. Um, and she immediately was like, yeah, no problem. You know, give me a call or something like that. It, that part of the day is very blurry, but I ended up on the phone with Aubrey and I said, you know, some, I, I just found out my mom died and, um, I have to tell my grandparents who are her parents. And if there's anything, <laughs> uh, if there's anything harder than telling a parent that their their child has passed, um, I I just I can't think of it other than losing a child probably. And so, I I told her you know I, I have to tell my grandparents and I'm really close with my grandparents. Um, you know my my grandma and I talk every day, and so I knew um, I knew. I was going to be breaking their hearts. And, um, you know, we had this conversation about, do I call? Do I go there? What do I do? And, you know, my um, best friend was like, I really think you need to go there. So I decided, knowing that it was my grandparents' last quote-unquote normal morning, um, I sat at my kitchen table. I think by now it was like seven. And, uh, I decided that I was going to leave at 7.45 because I knew what my grandparents were doing at the time. They're early risers. They were already up. They were having their coffee. They were watching their morning programs and just kind of having their morning routine. And I knew that. And I knew that I was about to go ruin it. And I just, I wanted them to have that last morning together. I wanted them to have that last cup of coffee and the last morning, um, you know, and so... I think I arrived at their house somewhere around 8.15, 8.30. And I remember I pulled into the driveway and 
my grandpa immediately came out. I think he said, is everything okay? I said, no, I need to talk to you and grandma. And, you know, they're making sure Bella's okay, making sure I'm okay. Ryan's okay, like everything. And uh, I just kept saying, you know, it's not okay. We need to talk. And I remember walking in the kitchen. My grandma comes in and they're both panicked. Grandma still has her head and hair in uh, curlers. <laughs> and uh, I put the table between us. I walked to the other side of the table. They were there and I just looked at him and it, I felt frozen. It was like I didn't know how to say what I had to say. And I think ultimately my brain was just like, you know, this isn't a time for sugarcoating. This isn't a time for anything. I just looked at him and I said, I'm so sorry, but my mom's dead. And I remember they both just surrounded me. They went around the table. They both surrounded me. They're both hugging me. It was this big group hug situation and they're just crying and saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you know, to me. And I'm sitting there like, <laughs> I'm sorry to you, you know. And um, of course, you know, it took a few moments for everything to settle in. And I ended up telling them about my conversation with the coroner. And of course, grandpa called them and um, they decided that they wanted to see her. So that day we went to the hospital. And um, if there is one moment in my grief journey that sticks out as far as like a picture in my brain and everything, it's this. Gosh, yeah, we went to the hospital, saw her and spoke with the coroner a little bit. And, you know, from there, we left the hospital. We went outside um, to the coroner's car. He actually had um, her bag and just, you know, the, the belongings that she had had with her when she had passed and everything. So we got that, and I'll never forget my grandpa's face taking that bag from that man. <laughs> The bag itself, you know, just the whole exchange was really um, monumental in my grief journey. I think it's really easy to say that a lot of us, like, in our in our journey, we have um, almost like these frozen-in-time moments, like little Polaroids in our brains of, you know, like, we, we have our story and we know the events that happened and then there's, like, a scrapbook in your head of, like, pictures from the day. And two of mine are at the hospital. One was seeing her and the second one is um, getting her belongings and having them handed to her father, my grandpa. I was just really difficult and um yeah so from there we sat in the car and we knew um so she passed on January 28th and so as you know <laughs> February is coming right up um so my mom was renting an apartment and we knew that you know if we were able to get there and get everything cleaned out that we could hopefully avoid having to pay for um another month's rent and so we went into autopilot and went straight to her apartment with trash bags and just started gathering everything. Um, and this is the day, so this is still the day that I found out she passed away in the morning. I mean, it was like, wake up and go, 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 go. Um, and I guess another thing that I forgot to mention personally was that um, I was supposed to try on wedding dresses that day. I had an appointment at the bridal shop and my bridesmaids and my, you know, grandma, my mother-in-law, and just everybody was going to meet us there. And uh, we were, I was going to try in wedding dresses because um, I was getting married that year. And so, um, 
yeah, I, uh, woke up and was going, going, going. We clean out the apartment, kind of do what we can. I came home and then the next day it was right back at it, back at the apartment. And then we went to make, um, the arrangements. And I have to say that this part of the journey is really what inspired me to become a death doula because, you know, not only were we dealing with the sudden loss of my mom, my grandparents who are dealing with the sudden loss of their daughter, but we're having to plan a funeral. And I guess the hardest part about it all was we didn't know what her actual wishes were. So we didn't know if she wanted to be cremated or if she wanted to be buried. Did she want to be embalmed? Did she want a certain headstone? Like, did she want certain songs? I mean, we knew literally nothing. So not only are we in the process of grieving, you know, we're experiencing sudden bereavement, which is a loss that is just out of nowhere. And then we're having to make these decisions that we don't even know if we're making the right decision. We didn't know what to do. And it was just, it was so stressful from all aspects. It, it was, I felt like, I was neglecting myself and my grief whenever I was trying to focus on planning, but then whenever I was focusing on myself and my grief, then I was neglecting planning. And, you know, there's so many people relying on you to put the plans together and tell them where things are happening and all this stuff. And it's just, gosh, you know, you really don't think of all the things that go into it. It's like, I mean, really and truly, if you've ever planned a wedding, it's like planning a last minute wedding in a way, except like, you know... I mean, I guess, like, the venue's more available, but you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you have to pull together all of these things. It's it's what's expected anyway. So I think, um, I think it's important as a death doula to note that I am working on just spreading information about the more alternative um, types of funerals that we can do. And so, you know, of course, all of this happened before I had all of the education and resources that I have now. And when I tell you <laughs> uh, I am frustrated by my own experience, I don't even think that is, that's not even like really digging into it. I just, I was so uneducated and so unprepared. And um, that's why I want to help people because, you know, the first week after you lose somebody, you're, you're in the thick of it. You're in that that really tough grief and then having to take on all this responsibility as well is really difficult. And it's like you go on autopilot, you know, you're off work and you're, you're just doing all the things. And then once the funeral is over, the memorial or whatever um, you choose to do, it almost feels like all of that support and everything that is, was there is gone. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> Anyway, I digress. Um, with mine, I know we had family come in. I had my mom's best friend who happens to be my best friend too, or one of my best friends. Um, she came in from a few hours out of town. She stayed with us for a few days and helped us get some things ready. We printed off pictures and made posters and, you know, told stories and did all the things. The funeral came, the funeral went, and I just remember after the funeral feeling, I think it was after the funeral is when it really, it really kicked in. We, uh, we went back to my house and me and my mom's best friend sat on my couch 
and we put our feet up and we wrapped up in cozy blankets and we watched a silly TV show. And, you know, we just kind of sat there and I, I enjoyed it. It was actually really therapeutic. We didn't talk. There was no expectation. Um, we just sat on the couch and existed. But it was the first time that I was, it was actually just me and my loss. And that was it. There was no expectation of me anymore. There was no planning needed. There was nobody calling me with questions. It was just me and my grief. And that is when this journey began. I really sat there and thought, gosh, this is the hardest thing I've had to go through so far. And it's really terrible because I feel weird bringing it up. Like, I don't, I don't want to bring people down. I don't want to talk about this taboo subject, you know, death and dying and like, ew. You know, it's it's weird to talk about, but everybody experiences it. Everybody experiences that loss, that sense of heaviness on your chest, and we're all going to go through it, and it's terrible. But I think that having the conversations, making the conversations not so weird and not so icky feeling and just, I don't know, somber. I mean, there's... It, it just, it's part of life, and um, I want to get us comfortable with it, because I didn't know what to do, and I didn't want to bother people with my grief, so I held on to it for a lot longer than I needed to, and I think it's pretty safe to say that a lot of us do that, because we don't want to bother other people, but, you know, the price of existing is that we are going to experience non-existence at some point, and um, it's the most unfortunate fact of life that we are going going to experience intense loss at the very least once. Um, so, you know, my goal is just to normalize that, make it easier to talk about. As for my story, I mean, there's so many details I left out today. I hope to share more details as, um, just as I grow and as I learn and as I become comfortable in my own grief, because you know, if I'm learning with you and I'm, I'm getting comfortable with you, you know, I am 31 years old, but I spent the majority of my life just avoiding talking about this stuff. And so I am also working on getting comfortable. I'm working on removing the stigma and I am working on, you know, in encouraging the death positive movement and just making it a thing. So all of that's to say, <laughs> there is my brief story about um, the day that I lost my mother and just what that was like. And um, hopefully in the future, I'll be able to share more of that with you because I find that sharing my story, it really helps me it helps me accept my loss. It helps me um, deal with my loss and process my loss. And it also helps other people not feel so isolated. One thing I've noticed as I become more comfortable speaking about death and my own personal losses is that my story is unique and it also isn't unique. You know, it's unique in the sense of like the, all the specific events and everything that I experienced is unique to me, but I am not the only person to lose a parent suddenly. And like, of course, that's obvious. Of course, we all know these things to be true. But if you've ever experienced loss, you know how isolating it can feel. And sometimes just hearing a story even vaguely similar to yours can make you feel seen and make you feel heard and not so alone. And really, that's what's most important to me. 
um, is making sure that people do feel seen and feel heard and realize that they're not alone. So I hope that my story has helped in some way. And um, I appreciate you taking the time to listen. So that is a wrap. (laughs) Thank you so incredibly much for listening to the first episode of Condolence Cafe. Simply by tuning in, you are supporting the death positive movement and creating a society in which we can openly talk about death. The one thing that we will all experience regardless of our race, gender, or status. Special thanks to Death Positive STL for supporting this podcast and also to Baba Smas for their song Sun Shines Through the Leaves, which you heard in our intro. To learn more about Death Positive STL and the services offered to the St. Louis area, be sure to head over to deathpositivestl.com. We are currently accepting listeners' submissions for Condolence Cafe, so if you have a personal story about grief, loss, bereavement, or death, please feel free to submit it to info at deathpositivestl.com. That's all for today's episode, but you can keep the conversation going on Instagram with hashtag condolencecafe. In the meantime, stay positive, and I'll be back next Wednesday for another episode of Condolence Cafe. Mm-hmm.